to the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast. We deliver a hunting podcast from Ontario, Canada. We're going to give you season updates, harvest reports, and how we go from field to plate. We're going to even talk about our equipment setups and all the cool hunting stories we've experienced over the years. We're just a couple of guys who understand we don't know everything, but boy, can we put meat on the table every year. And speaking of putting meat on the table every year, every dish we certainly like to enjoy a little additive to our wild game meats, and that is Kickaboo Spices. Kickaboo Spices is geared to helping and enjoying a healthier lifestyle with your food and your dishes. And Kickaboo Spices makes some awesome products, marinades, jerky marinades, and as well as some great rubs that go on all of your delicious wild game meats. Yep. Check out kickabooSpices.com and use the promo KICKAOOP for 10% off your purchase. They're low sodium, they're made in Ontario, they're by hunters for hunters, and they're awesome guys. Yeah, well, I was ready to record before you. I was ready to go hunting before you. I went hunting before you. <laughs> you did? <laughs> Welcome right. back, everyone. Oh. Welcome back to us. Welcome back to us doing us. Us yes. doing we things. Yes. Oh. Doing things we love to do. What, what did we do tonight? Uh, had dinner in the truck and looked for geese. That's like the most romantic night <laughs> you can have. <laughs> you actually bought dinner. So it was. <laughs> yeah, we uh, picked up Swiss Chalet. Went out to, well, we're out here in Strath. Picked up Swiss Chalet, went for a drive. Looked for geese, found a few, asked for some permission. Can't know. say it was our best meal tonight, but no. Nope. when hunting season rolls around, sometimes you make a few sacrifices. You gotta. And tonight was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have our better meal in nights to come. Oh, yeah. Oh, it felt good, though, to chase after some birds, man. Oh, yeah. Seen so, a few, not as many as we'd like, but... Yeah, good thing is you already talked to that farmer, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Anyways... Let's dive right in. Let's talk banding. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great way to start us out. We haven't done a podcast since we started banding this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you guys just tuning in, Cameron and I band ducks. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, banding ducks is something we started doing last year with uh, James, and he's been kind enough to ask us to do it again this year. And it's something we like to do. We both learn a lot every time we go out. Um I, I can't wait to go out again. I, yeah. We had uh, you were away for the weekend, and we'll we'll get into that. Um, but I was able to go out with James twice, and uh, I think in that time we had probably around two hundred ducks. Yeah. So it was a, definitely a good turnout. That's Very awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah, because when we started banding, I think we're at for total. I think James said we're at four. Just 50. hit the four hundred mark. When we were done, it was three ninety four. Right. Okay. So we're definitely over 400 now. Yeah. That's been a few days since. So a lot of mallards. Yeah. Lots of mallards. Uh, you got, when I was gone, you got to do two uh, pintails or three? Three pintails. Yeah. And total woodies, I think, was 13. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. we had, I don't know, we probably had five or six woodies from before I left. So that's good. So yeah, if you get bands, then you shoot ducks and you uh, report it. And it says, so what is kind of the purpose of the banding for the people that don't know? Here, Cameron. What's that? I was finishing a train of thought here. <laughs> if you shoot a band from Kamoka, it's probably ours. Damn right it's ours. Now, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you uh, kind of explain a little bit what the banding is for for the people that have messaged us and the people that are kind of like, well, what the heck's banding other than when they get them and call them in when they shoot them? Yeah. Um, so 
I guess most of you guys probably know what a banded bird is, but basically it's that piece of metal that's wrapped around their, commonly their leg. That's a normal band. There's a different type of bands. We can get into that. But uh, it helps the ministry and helps federal organizations track migratory bird routes primarily. So, I mean, it's a pretty simple process, right? Like, you band them in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, a hunter shoots it, although you can find bands. Um, I was lucky enough to find yeah. one on a job site. Which is a really cool story because it actually belonged to, to James. Guy. Yeah, it belonged to the guy who actually yeah. taught us to band birds. Yeah. Uh, and it was 27 years old from when I found it. So. Unreal. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, so it's like uh, you band them in point A. Hunter typically shoots them in point B, and it could be anywhere from, you know, southern states, mid-states. You can get it anywhere along that fly route. So it kind of helps plot migratory fly routes. And mm-hmm. It's super cool to see bands. Um, you know, they say roughly 1 in 10,000 birds in the wild are going to be banded. Yeah. Obviously, percentages are better in different areas, and... You shoot if you shoot a banded bird. Typically, the flock it's with more than one are going to be banded because mm-hmm. they usually stay together for a bit. So, um, but yeah, it just helps organizations track where birds are going to from where, and it's super cool because now you can pull up on the internet where the major five uh, flyways are, and it's yeah, super helpful and it's super cool for us to be able to you know actually band them. Oh, it's a blast! Usually, it's a it's a great night out for us, really, because when we go out it is it's you're looking for ducks and you're banding ducks and then you're going to look at bucks and fields and it's a great night it's definitely like the holy shit hunting season is here kind of thing it's so cool seeing them and it's funny because like people think ducks are so easy to id especially well they are like later on the fall but Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of cool to see the early season um you know, if you an untrained eye, you pick up a mallard, you're like, "Oh, that's a hen." It's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's a that's a drake." It yeah. just hasn't come into its fall feathers yet. So it's it's cool to see and learn all that stuff. And I think we're and now I we're pretty confident when we yeah. pick up a bird, we know what it is. But um, it's just a great time, and I I like hearing stories of uh, people shooting bands. I like mm-hmm. to see migratory flyer routes. So um, yeah, I said I'd talk about other bands. So there's the common leg band. You know, geese typically are. Not typically, but geese more so than ducks will have a double band. So there's usually like a stainless and an aluminum band, one on each leg. And uh, the stainless is to kind of test how well it holds up against aluminum. Because typically they're made of aluminum, but they fade over years. Right. They're doing tests, and that's how you get usually double banded birds. You can tell the difference between both. Uh, Stainless is a little, usually a little shinier, and it's a little uh, thinner on width. So that's that. There's a neck band, which wraps around their neck. There's tarsal bands which go around its same spot as a normal leg band, but they're like uh, maybe an inch and a half long instead of just like a three-quarter inch. Now, the neck bands, they're fairly long too, to my understanding? Yeah, they're like uh, two like, and a half yeah, inches. Okay. And they're, are they also an aluminum or are they a plastic? Oh, they're plastic. Yeah, they're like okay. a, you know that like Kydex material? Yeah. Like that hard plastic, they're like that. So I've never seen one in person other than what James owns. Never seen a tarsal in person other than what James owns. Uh, never seen a rivet band in person. I showed you a video of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. I think that's more common in the states to do rivet bands. It's got to be like you know, based on the process that and the way that we do it, it's got to be a lot more time consuming to punch mm-hmm. in a rivet while trying to hold the yeah goose. goose yeah, right. And like fun thing about ge- you know how when you do ducks and you pull them out, um, so like duck banding process one to one. There's a trap. You bait it. They come in. You funnel them into a box. Then you start pulling ducks. Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, if you have a lot of helping hands, basically someone pulls it, 
looks at it, holds a leg out, the other person will ID it real quick, someone will write down what it is, another person could band it, then you release the bird, and you try to do this as fast as possible, because you don't want to, you know, cause a lot of stress on the animal. Mm-hmm. So, um, that being said, with geese, you have to pop every single goose, and, uh, you know, we've popped ducks before, and what that means is, you get a drake, um, you only do it on the male, so if you get a drake, especially mallards, you're like, I don't know if that's a hatchling year, which means born that year, if that's an adult, um, the easiest way to tell is you pop its penis. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you make a triangle with your fingers, and you pull it back, and you can tell if it has, um, if it doesn't have a sheath on the penis, and it's just a black little tip, it, it was born that year, but if it has a full sheath on it, then it's, it's an adult. Mm-hmm. So with a goose, though, you have to pop every single one because there's no way to tell if it's a female or a male because they all look the same. Yeah. So you have to you have to be able to do that, which is a lot more time consuming, but super cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is for sure. I have a blast doing it. Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, I was telling Cam the other day when we were banding. Um, so like, like I said, one person once you write down everything and you put the band on its leg. You throw this bird into the air so it can fly away and usually dries its feathers out and then it can do whatever it wants. Um, so I toss this one head and I think conservatively, I'd say I've I've helped with banding over a thousand ducks now mm-hmm. within the last couple of years. Yeah, I think me. so. I don't think that's exaggerated. No. Um, I'd say right around a thousand. So I, I always throw them in the air and stuff and throw lots of ducks in the air and I go to throw this one mallard last week and I toss her in the air and normally they fly away. She kept her wings tucked in, just went straight down, smashed into the water. <laughs> I was like, I think that one might be dead. And she gets up and quacks and flies away. But I was like, oh. I had one like that on the over the weekend. It was uh, it was diving beforehand before we had got it into the crate. So right. that's so, exactly why. So I walked up and yeah. threw her in there. I laughed so hard. Oh yeah, it's it's a blast though. Because yeah, usually the last ones in the trap try to get away from you, so they dive underwater and mm-hmm. try to swim. So you have to basically like watch where they're going and jam your arm in the water and grab Try and catch them. Yeah, you pull them out and it's pretty funny stuff. You get some good laughs out there. So holding a bird and shits all over your waiter. (laughs) All right. It's definitely not the cleanest job by any means. No, that's why you wear full chest waders always. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's it's super cool though. I love it. It's uh, So while we're into birds, tell us about your weekend. Yeah, we slaughtered a lot of geese. Yeah. Went up for opener. Um, Went up to the Wyerton Lions Head area. Um, opener morning went up there, thirty-two dead. Uh, finished the weekend with fifty-seven. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was good. Last year we finished with seventy-one on the opener weekend, but mm-hmm. I, uh, we didn't get to hunt the fields we wanted to. We got one field. So we were doing a lot of trafficking, and there was one field, and I shit you not, minimum four hundred geese in it. Conservatively, probably like four to six hundred. Um, just loaded. The field was black. It was so cool. So anyways, we tra- we drive to the farm there. The woman living there doesn't own it. She just rents the house. So she says, oh, this person, oh, no, so drive there or whatever. Get a phone number. Finally find holds land. And uh, the guy basically, I'm not going to name anything, but the guy basically said there's an outfitter that pays them uh, a, a good amount of money. And if uh, we wanted to hunt there, we'd have to beat that amount of money. And then we Obviously, we couldn't touch that. Mm-hmm. But, uh that field was loaded it was just they have that whole area locked down but you know good on them i guess they have a business they got to run mm-hmm. so if they got to lock it down it kind of sucks for us but it is what it is yeah. yeah but you guys had a successful weekend nonetheless oh it was great zero bands but i mean that's it is what it is it's not about the bands right but walk us through uh because 
one thing I've been picking your ear lots about yeah. is uh, with the crop still being up very green, right. usually we can run into a little bit of cattle corn that's been taken off by yeah. this point. Um, but none of that's really happening. So what are you looking for this time of year and how did you guys deck out your blinds for that hunt? Right. So that's a good point. Um, so usually it's going to be winter wheat or cut hay fields. Um, scouting is 99% of it, right? So if the birds mm -hmm. are in there the night before, it's probably going to be a good hunt in the morning. So you got to find those fields because even if there is corn down at this time, talking to good buddy Dumby, they might not necessarily want corn right now because corn has a lot of energy. So when they eat corn, they you know they build their fat reserves. They can fly longer distances. It's better for cold weather, but it's still warm out right now. So they don't, geese and I mean ducks not open yet right now, but it, it will. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want to get into too much corn t uh, too much just because it's really high energy and they're not doing much flying right now. Do you think with that being said that um, having the later corn come off this year is going to make for great later season hunting? I think so. Yeah. I, I do think so. Especially when the farmer accidentally tips over a little bit of their corn. Yeah, it's usually an accident. <laughs> oh, no, they dumped a giant pile of corn right there. Yeah. Uh, it's always nice when they do that. So that being said, baiting's illegal, so don't bait <laughs> Great uh, tidbit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's... Uh, it feels good to go out there and you asked uh, what we do for blinds. So we were hunting field edges primarily. So thick, thick weeds and grass. So spent about 45 minutes pulling weeds and stuff in the blinds. Like you couldn't see, you couldn't tell it was a blind. Like I remember seeing this post on Instagram Saturday morning as in the blind. And this guy was like, now that's what a blind should look like. And it was... You can tell there was a blind there. Like, you could see full fabric. That's when you sent me? No, it was... Uh, a different one? Yeah, no, yeah, I did see it. It was that one? Right, yeah. yeah. It was like, this is what a blind should look like. And I was like, ah. I mean, I'm not trying to bash people here, but if you can see a bunch of fabric through, that's not what a blind should and look like. And you could. You, you totally could. could. Yeah. It wasn't the worst blind I've ever seen. Yeah. But it wasn't that great. And then I sent a photo to Cam of what a blind... Or I actually posted on Instagram. And I was like, this is what a blind should look like. And it was like... The only reason I knew it was a blind was because you could see it move. Like yeah. he was, I don't know if he if it was flapping it yeah, open exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And that was it. Yeah. It's like, it, it looks good. Yeah. Oh man. It took, it takes a lot of time, but it's worth it in the yeah. end. So anyways, that's what we're doing on field edges. You just want to match the hide. So, um, if you're in hay field and you got, for some reason, if you have to be in the middle of the field, you can't get the bird, you have a feeling the birds aren't going to go to the edges. Like they're landing in the middle over and over again. Then bottom line is you got to you know pluck pick hay and shove it in there do the same thing make it look like a pile of hay mm -hmm. um, if you got hay bales in your field they're pretty good to hide behind but if you're if the geese are feeding near the edges or you know 30 40 yards from the edges then you can set up your decoy spread right on the edge mm -hmm. hide better on the edge and then call them right in there so it was funny we uh i think it was sat yeah saturday morning we uh go out there and i think we got to the field at like 20 after 4 in the morning we get there with the trailer drive in and then uh right before we pull in this truck's there we're like what so anyways we walk up to him we're like hey uh, how's it going he's going up bad blah, blah blah and uh i guess they had permission as well and they beat us there so they were gonna hunt one section we're like well do you wanna you wanna hunt with us or and he's like well the field's pretty big I'm like yeah it's like the field's pretty big bud I'm like okay we'll hunt another side the other side of the field um, so yeah, I, uh, I told Cam, I'm a pretty nice guy. Like I love helping people. I love answering questions. Um, you know, I love like 
my close buddies. I love teaching them how to do like you know goose clucks and how to do all these different calls. This is what you told me. I didn't agree with it, but <laughs> um, I I love you know helping people out. But if you're gonna tell me the fields, yeah, you know what it is. It's the word bud. Yeah, so people say bud. I'm like okay, game on. Um, I absolutely love stealing geese from people. Yeah, like when flocks come into them and I out call them and turn the geese right around to us. It just fires me up. I love it. Good. I know it's like the douchiest thing to say, and I'm so <laughs> sorry if you have to hunt near me. Um, but in my defense, I did. Hey, I did if you can call, you can call. Hey, we did ask him, hey, do you want to join up together? Yeah. Split the meat, split the bands, whatever. Like, I like hunting with new people. I love mm-hmm. it. It's awesome. Yeah. We did it uh, Friday morning, hunted with a group that I think four or five of them I had never met. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, how's it going? Whatever. And we... Did some team calling and split the birds down the middle at the end. It was a great time. Um, but these guys didn't want to hunt with us. And we said, no, no problem. And how did they make out? They finished with one bird. <laughs> one bird. The whole, I'm was pretty, it a morning hunt? Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure the one bird was because, like, a flock came into ours. We dropped all of them. But one, it flew past them. <laughs> oh, the best. I remember this, this solo came into them. And it landed in their spread. Like, probably 60 yards. It was pretty deep. Um, land 60 yards from him, and all you hear is, bo 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 and you can see this goose pick up and start flying, bo 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 keeps flying, bo 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 keeps flying, God, like, <laughs> there's the three of us, we're like, no way, like, <laughs> it happens, like, we missed it, like, oh yeah, it was absolutely, just, it's just so funny watching someone that you're it's not like bloopers, in. yeah, real life just, bloopers, it was so good, um, had a really good moment, we were, I think it was Saturday evening, Maybe, no, maybe it was Sunday morning. But anyways, we set up. No, it was definitely an evening hunt. Right. So we're Are setting you up. sure? Yeah, 100% now. <laughs> because we're setting up, and uh, we put the whole decoy spread out, all the full bodies. Um, and then we put the blinds on the field, and it starts to rain a little bit. And it's like 3 in the afternoon. Like, it's still super early. And we're like, okay, well, you know, let's just uh, let's sit in the truck. Um let this rain go by for a few minutes, then we'll uh, get the truck out of here. Listen to the radio, we're all kind of just chatting and stuff, and all you hear is like, honk, honk. In the background, I'm like, hit the radio off, I'm like, is that a goose? And all you hear is like, huh? Uh-huh. I was like, no way. Anyways, I grab the calls off my uh, rear view mirror, jump out the truck, start calling this solo in. He comes right into the spread, lands at like 40 yards. There's a truck and a trailer like 40 yards from him. Lands right into it. <laughs> Corey jumps out, sneaks over to his blind, grabs a shotgun, loads it, poof, drops it. <laughs> <laughs> it stayed there the whole time. It was it was probably there for like twenty seconds. That's hilarious. But like, he was flying by, didn't really like the truck there, started calling to him, spit cluck, spit cluck, turned around, came right and landed on the spread. I was like, That is sick. awesome. That's the stuff that needs oh, to yeah. go online for sure. It was so funny. Um but yeah, anyways, yeah, finished with uh fifty seven, it was great time that's a great way to open yeah and i mean it was just it's cool staying up there right like it's, mm-hmm. you're away from everything at home you you relax uh a lot of prep work right like mm-hmm. you gotta get the decoys clean before season you gotta empty out the blinds and, um you did a good mud job on yours mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta get your first mud base on there yeah so if you haven't got a for goose yet any plan on it make sure you know if you got a new blind um mud it up like completely mudded because the fabric that it comes with is usually a little bit shiny and if you can see even a little bit of fabric you're like oh it's camo the birds can pick up that reflection and it kind of 
I'm not going to say that's what makes them flare, but if they see it, their eyes are drawn to it, and all of a sudden if they can make it out of blind, and they've been pressured for a little while, then they're just, they're just going to flare. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know, it's a cool experience. It was it was sweet going up there and calling with some of the guys, and yeah, it was just uh, it was a good time. There's like We saw a bunch of migrators going down south, so if you're from our area, which is like London, um, I have a feeling it's going to get pretty good soon. It showed pretty good for uh, opening for quite a few people, actually. Like, uh, It seemed like everyone had a quite successful weekend that was able to make it out. Yeah. Dumb birds, man. Dumb birds early season are just the funnest to shoot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so saw a bunch of migrators going south, and calling out migrators is always something that's really fun because, like, you know, local birds or low-feeding birds, um, the ones that aren't migrating yet, they, they're going to be a lot lower, and they're going to be looking for food right away. So calling to them, you know, you're going to be kind of gentle. You're going to be doing, like, you know, your spit clucks, um, a couple honks, a couple moans, some hiccups, just relatively basic low calling. And you don't need to overcall, but when it's migrators, you got to reach them. They're like a kilometer up. It's an exaggeration, but they're really high up there. So you got to scream at them. So you're just nonstop calling as loud as you can, as loud as you can. So it's cool when you can do it. You can usually break off, like, three or four off of migrator flock, and they'll turn around, they'll come check you out, and... Yeah, it was good. Last uh, last morning we went out. Um, we were in a just a fe- random field, never scouted it. Didn't even know there was geese in it. Uh, turns out there wasn't geese in it, but there was geese around us, so we were able to pull some in and uh, shot geese every single day up there. And so it was a good plan. Yeah, opening morning was the best by far, thirty-two in one shoot. So I can't wait to get after them soon. It's we, uh, we were gonna go tomorrow. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, I got a phone call. Might had a field. So, but then uh, someone else already beat us to it and ask farmer for permission so it's the way she goes the way she goes so we'll get after him again uh it'll be nice once corn opens up because yes. they have lots of fields already mm-hmm. it's just a lot of them are always corn and beans mm-hmm. the beans don't really give a shit too much about but i want those corn fields to come down i want those geese to be hungry so busy time ahead of us we're getting crazy into uh birds and then we've got moose also coming right up moose is coming up like in like less three, three weeks, weeks. Less than three weeks, yeah. Yeah. So That's pretty did, wild. Did a bunch of trailer prep work. Yep. Um, grinded a bunch of stuff off. Mm-hmm. Re- some, just remodeled it. Yeah. Whole new paint job on it. We had a bit of a mishap last year, so. Yep. Had to new, new wiring going in. Yep. Uh, <laughs> just, just maintenance stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that was nice to get done and bought our new tent. Mm-hmm. So if uh, I'll let you guys know when we come back about the Alaknak, but we bought the Cabela's Al- Ultimate. Yeah, it's the Ultimate Alaknak. Yeah. So we bought that, um, set it up just to see what it's like. It's super roomy. So far, I really like it, but we'll see how it actually does with heat and yeah, with the weather and shit. So um, let you guys know. But so far, first impressions are I like it. Yeah, it sh- it should be great. Yeah, be able to put a fireplace in there. Yep. It's going to be like living in a. A hotel for oh, the yeah. week. Uh, yeah, we had to do some maintenance on the wood stove. So we picked up a wood stove last year, but um, a lot of people have said, you know, oh, get those light wood stoves. Like, um, there's the barrel kits. You get. A, yeah. I don't know. I don't really like those because they they're good for dispersing heat, but they don't hold heat because mm-hmm. it's just thin gauge metal. So I mean, when you're trying to let it go all night, I I don't know if I like that. So. Right. Anyways, shrimps actually uh, went out of the way and found a fifty dollar legitimate wood stove you like, cannot go wrong with that no, like quarter inch thick steel um had the glass or insert on it and it's one of those ones where you know you keep it in a shop mm-hmm. so super heavy uh, probably 300 pounds or so um 
it has this little like half inch lip around that you're supposed to try to grab so he said screw that and weld it up two pieces of rebar on the top now so you can just carry it way better yeah um but yeah i, I mean like i got my bro- new broadheads for moose this year i got i think all my stuff's basically ready to go like i got a new uh self-inflating oh i just dropped something um i got a new self-inflating like memory foam sleeping pad so those are super comfortable. Yeah. Um, pretty excited. I slept on it. Where did we go for that? Oh, that was bachelor the party. bachelor party. Yep. Yeah. And then I used it this weekend as well. Yeah. For Working out the kinks. Oh, man, it's so comfortable. 70-something dollars at Canadian Tire. Packs up real nice. Yeah. So we'll do some cool uh, videos beforehand of our, our pack out, like our gear. And uh, we're going to do lots this year, lots of filming, photography. We're going to be podcasting while we're up there. Of course, there's no service, but you guys will have the, the full story when we yeah. return. I, I have a feeling we'll be able to get at least one more podcast up before we go. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, it'll be tight with Cam's wedding in two weeks. Two weeks, buddy. Holy two weeks, you're going to be married. Crazy. Nuts. Crazy. <laughs> so that's coming up, and, uh, you know, in three, in basically six days after or something, we will mm-hmm. I mean, four not days even after. four days. Yeah, yeah. You go moose hunting right after that, so uh, that'll be pretty sweet, man. What uh, what are you looking forward to for moose? Like, what's the? Honestly, it's the. the uh, I seen a photo this morning, and I think it was on Facebook. It was more of just like a general question, and someone put you know picture for attention. Yeah. And it was a picture of uh, like this bear, and it was just like the woods when the colors are just changing up there. A little bit of yellow lots of birch trees and like a bit of fog yeah and it was just like that's what i cannot wait for every morning waking up when you can see your breath walking around for you know 20 kilometers a day that's what i'm that's what i'm ready for seeing the moose and potentially harvesting one is just absolute bonus that trip is just when you can disconnect from the world entirely and it's just you, the guys, and the knowledge you've put into this whole, you know, this passion, this sport, uh, like the obsession, whatever you want to call it. That's what I'm, I'm so gung ho for. I can't wait. It's, it's so cool to completely disconnect because, mm-hmm. like, you know, even on the bear hunts, we usually have a bit of service. Yeah. Um, any northern, like I was in, well, like the Bruce Peninsula. I have there's some spots where I don't really have service, but yeah, ninety percent of the time I have cell phone service up there. But to go to a place like that where it's like, you got nothing. Yeah. You got nothing except for what you bring in and what's on the land around you. Yeah. So we've always said it, like, if for some reason, let's just say Toronto got blown up. Let's just. Wow. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, there's something close to home that everyone knows, right? Like, if something bad happened there, we would have no idea. No. No, you would not know. You wouldn't hear, because you have no, no access to the news, nothing. Yeah. You wouldn't know until he left, so it's it's kind of cool just to be on your own up there. And um, I think the camp's making a few upgrades this year. I Big know time. Shri- Shrimps wants a shower. <laughs> Holy! He wants a solar heated shower. Wow! So I, I think we might leave him in I, Toronto. I I can see where he's come from from a scent point of view. I can, but most of us sat around the fire with our gear on oh, last st- year, so it's like Yeah. Move up, move uh, move upwind of him. Or sorry, downwind. Don't be upwind. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, so um, so that's one. The wood stove will be really nice to have this year. It will. We we did the tough of the tough last year and kind of just experienced really the 
worst. The, the worst. Yeah, like we it was so cold. Yeah, it was so cold. Yeah, and I, I like I was packed for it, but it was, it's just the change in like I went up in shorts and a t-shirt and shoes, and by the time we had got like say thirteen hours into the drive, pulled over to grab a coffee or whatever, and it was like okay, now I need a hoodie threw the hoodie on got another you know five hours when an incident happened it was like okay now i need pants because there's frost everywhere and then you get up there and then sometimes you're you know you're real warm you're in like your mid-layer gear and then the next minute you're in like a parka and it's like that every time it's just you're you're not ready for it no it's you got to prepare for it man like it's not a hunt where you can just kind of put together a quick backpack no um i kind of want to touch on that about clothing that we use up there mm-hmm. because the fluctuation of weather is ridiculous there's days where you can sit around in a t-shirt mm-hmm. and then it starts to feel like the one morning last year we woke up and all of our water balls were frozen yeah like so it, i mean they had I mean, sat in a freezer all night yeah so i mean clothing wise um i think the most important thing is you don't want to sweat while you're moving because mm-hmm. then it's really cold after i mean yeah scent is a problem too but you don't want to be cold from sweat so layering is super important. Yeah, and I think that's a great uh, thing to talk about because, uh, you know, we've had a few questions in regards to not clothing exactly, but um, things in, you know, would you guys buy this? What do you think of this product as opposed to this product or a high end to a low end, blah, blah, blah. So when it comes to gear, um, you know, you see a lot of the, the pros using Sitka, First Light. Those guys make an unbelievable layering system. Oh, yeah. I Honestly, if you have the money and you're looking to spend some, I would invest in the layering system. Oh, yeah. It's great because, like, when you're sitting or you're, you know, um, let's just say you're waiting. I don't know if you're, you know, if you go up north for moose, if you're a tree stand hunter, um, we kind of do spawn stock, so... For us, we're moving a lot, but there's times where, you know, you take a break to have coffee or have a granola bar or whatever. Um, those are the times where you're putting your layering systems on. Mm-hmm. You put your thicker coat on just so you keep some body heat. But once you start moving again, you shed them because yep. you don't want to sweat. So I, it's nice to have something that kind of blocks the wind, but you're not going to be sweating when you're walking, like, mm-hmm. you know, 15 kilometers every day. Yeah. So... I think layering systems are super important. You got to have your base layer, your mid layer, and your outer layer. Um, and rain gear is important too. So we use tr- True Timber. Yeah. I don't really have any complaints for them. No. I think their pants run a bit tight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, right around the hips. Their length and their legs are fine. It's just right around the hip. It's a little bit tight. Um, but their tops fit really well. Yes. I don't know why one is a lot more... Same for Stand. me in regards to the pants, because that's why I don't have the uh, the same pants you do yeah. in the uh, Strata setup. I think um, you simply for that reason. You need yeah. a large pants. But then the being a, a shorter stature, like the length was just you can get them hem, but they've got yeah. a great uh, zipper on the bottom of them. I wouldn't want to chop it off and have to you know kind of reconfigure that. I think I'd be getting into too much, or it'd be hard to find a what, what do you call uh, someone to do that for you, like a seamstress. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mama uh, Bondi knows how to do that, it. That's correct. She I could take it to, yeah. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just, you got to have the right stuff up there. I, I like 
moving away from clothing, I like having the water filters up with us. Mm-hmm. I just want to cover some basic gear that we kind of do moose. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of people do use the Sawyer water filters, and yep. we've shown them on uh, a little adventure we went on a few weeks ago. Yep. They worked great. We used them all weekend. We did it with dirty lake water, and mm-hmm. I wasn't sick at all. 99.8% mm. of bacteria removed. Yeah, and the cool thing is, or maybe the smart thing I should say is, even though we filter it, we still boiled it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're, there's yeah. not many things that are going to survive boiling yeah. in the water that we grabbed it from. I mean, if it was, like, stagnant water, murky, you can see algae and shit everywhere, then I'd be a little more Yeah, hesitant. I'd probably look for the next river. Yeah, I mean, if there's, like, a cow pasture and they've been shitting it all week, <laughs> I'm not going to filter that water. So, but, yeah, no, it works great. It's nice to have those backups. I think one of the cool things that we do for Moose Camp is the water jugs. Mm-hmm. So we bring these four or five liter yeah, four liters. Yeah, so f- four of four liter jugs, and before we go up, we fill them, um, fill them up and freeze them rock solid, so solid all the way through, and then that stays in our coolers. So the cool thing is, solid ice stays a lot longer than ice bags, mm-hmm. and while it's melting, you get drinking water. So I think it's perfect. Unless you have a yeti, then ice literally lasts a long time. It does. It really <laughs> we does. literally put the cooler out on the dock in, the in 30 degrees to sit yeah. there and scalge, and it was there was still loads of ice. Oh yeah, mine mine held up already. However, I did notice a lot of the ice melted. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm gonna do the lid hack. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So the, there's this YouTube video that's been floating around, and they cut in half. Um, like if you're staring at a Yeti cooler. They take a bandsaw right down the middle. So they cut it in half and they cut a normal like Coleman cooler in half. And so the side insulation's about the same thickness. There's not much of a difference on mm-hmm. that. The bottom is about the same, but the top on Coleman coolers are hollow. There's no foam inside the lids. Whereas a Yeti has foam in the lids. So there's a YouTube video, the guy takes a quarter inch drill bit, drills, you know, like six or seven holes around the rim of it, and then puts low expanding door insulation and sprays the whole inside of that thing, and it ends up, like, he keeps icing it for, like, six days. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to try it on mine, see what happens. It can't do anything worse, right? Yeah. Like you're adding insulation, so if anything, it's going to make it better. Yeah. Um, probably still won't be, like, Yeti quality, because I like that Yeti has that tension. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the lids snap the, down. Yeah, yeah. Like, the strap, so it keeps tension on it. Um, but I, I'm pretty excited for it. Like, it's... Super cool idea. It costs you like six bucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it. I think it's cool. It's a cool tip for people to try if they go away on little Yeah, if the, if the, you know, if there's people that already have coolers and they're just, you know what, they are not buying a Yeti. No. Um, it, it's a great cost-effective way to try. Hell yeah. I, uh, you have a Yeti now, and I mean, as much jealous as I am about it, I have two giant 110 coolers. The one's a 120. Oh, it's got to be. It's giant. Well, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> um, I have it, but I mean, I don't want to, you know, just throw them out or something. I want to, yeah. so I, I want to try that. And if it holds up, even people are saying that you can get like six days of ice out of it by mm-hmm. just doing that. So if, even if I get five days out of it, I'm super happy with mm-hmm. that, especially since one of them was free. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot go wrong with that. No, free.com is the best. Well, all in all, it was a great weekend of all kinds of being outside outdoors. You didn't even talk about your fishing trip. Yep. Fishing was absolutely unreal. I don't know about you, but I got another 10 minutes. <laughs> I got loads of time. 
Okay, you questioned me. I questioned you now. Yeah, let's hear it. Where'd you go? We went down to Glasgow. Hold on. First, fishermen don't tell their secret stories. I didn't say stories. spot. I said lake. That's okay. I'd tell anyone. <laughs> went down to Erie, hit up uh, Port Glasgow. It was absolutely packed. A solid 40, 50 boats out there. Um, we were out there you know, at a reasonable hour, and we were done in hour 40 minutes. Yeah. Had our limited walleye and uh, one, one rainbow. Yeah. yeah. It's all that dirty, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you would entail what uh what type of leaders at what depth. Uh so it seemed that this week they were in the uh probably sixty to sixty five foot depth. Okay. Um now you're yeah. trolling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're trolling at about two point eight an hour and we had dipsies on, we ran two lead core lines and we ran two dipsy rods. Okay. Um we were using spoons and worm harnesses uh throughout the whole morning. Do you notice you know, more walleye were grabbing harnesses or... Uh, yeah, we ended up switching by the end of the day over to spoons. It was oh, okay. They were just hitting spoons like crazy. We had got uh, four silver bass on the worm harnesses yep. and two walleye on a worm harness. Yep. Um, but that that was it. So we had done really well with the two spoons we had out. So we said, heck, let's put them all on spoons. And after that, it was just... It was really game over. They were just one after another. We looked uh-huh. over at each other at one point and it was just like... We're like, okay, okay, like everyone's got a fish on. There's, you know, uh, someone's got the net, and then there's three fish in the boat, and we're like, holy shit, there's no lines in the water. <laughs> we're all like high five, and we're like, this is awesome. That's like, awesome. this is this is the way to fish. Triple down. Yeah. Um, what color spoons? I uh, went with NASCAR. So what's? NASCAR, red, green, yellow, yeah. blue, purple. Right yeah. Nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, how much? I don't do much fishing, so I always like to learn, especially trolling, I never really get out too much but what how much line do you let out so if you're at 60 feet of depth Mm -hmm. how much line do you let out um on the lead core we were running 255 feet okay and then on our dipsies we were running uh we started out with 60 feet and then we went out to 100 feet with those and we just we had uh four different elevations and those you can adjust with your dipsies on you know the the back of them you've got this little dial and you can turn it how the dipsy sits upright, you know, kind of more on the side, whatever, and it'll help. It'll help go with however you're turning okay. or where you're driving. So I think we had a great system going that weekend. Yeah. Do you ever uh, run planer boards? No, no, no. One I don't own any, um, but a lot of my friends just say they're more more problems than not. I mean, if you have a weekend like that, like there's guys that were out there, they were running six rods, and. Uh, it's just it's so busy like i've been on charters before where yeah they're running six rods and there's just so much going on i mean when we had one guy holding the net and two of us with fish in and he already got his fish in like what do you do like there's all four rods are done like what do you, what else do you do right like if yeah. you add two more out because it's two per guy right if you got three guys and there's six rods rocking it's crazy well if you're in triple headers you might hit six what are you gonna do yeah like real and then hopefully they're still on like. and we were just we were bringing them in we were re-rigging and as soon as we got them back out i remember on the one dipsy we'd got the dipsy out to 35 feet and the rod just boom, snapped <laughs> like just right in half and it was uh it ended up being a really nice walleye nice. so it was great who uh who caught the uh rainbow my brother oh yeah yeah Bastard. but that was good i was happy to see that that's his first rainbow ever so really? it was good yep 
Right on. Yeah, uh, we probably we didn't throw a scale on it, but if I had to guess, it was probably around the seven to eight mark. Okay. Nothing huge, but it certainly wasn't small by any means. No. Put on a good fight. Nothing worse than when you get that on a dipsy with the dipsy not snap. So when you put your dipsy on, there's a little pin that kind of clips into the top of it. Okay. And if it doesn't go off, you got to think, well, you're reeling that in. You're basically pulling like a dinner plate through the water plus the plus fish, the fish. Right. like there's a good video of me fighting a walleye and the same thing happened um it was a good like five minute fight because it was just it was a hog like yeah and plus the dipsy it was just out there for 100 feet so it was a while that's insane man. yeah it was a blast man i i love this time of year for this late season fishing when all the walleyes are really you know uh, really coming into those waters, not super deep, but 60 feet, you can get out there in 20 minutes and start having a blast. That's perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, a little bit jealous of that. I got a couple more weekends left of it. And if I can squeeze it in there, we'll yeah. see. There's lots going on. So yeah, that'd be great. Um, time management is going to come to a plus here. Yeah. You just bought a new boat. I did. Yeah. We got a legend 18 foot extreme. What you got running on it? Uh, we got a 90 horse Mercury, and we're running a 55 pound uh, Minn Kota up front. Okay. Uh, full hummingbird uh, fish finder. You got to kick uh, it no. on there. You don't really want. It. No, no, not really. If you can run like once you put it in, like right as you take it out in neutral and you leave it in like basically trolling, it sets at 2.8 kilometers an hour. Oh, so cool. it's a perfect trolling speed. It's not too fast. Most people would do that between probably that 2.8 and 3.5 kilometers an hour um i guess it depends what you're going for too yeah absolutely um and then once you get into you know once we go down to st Clair, if it's bass bass fishing we've got the main coat out so that works just fine um and then yeah we run a hummingbird up front and we run the bigger hummingbird on the dash oh so you have two yeah that's cool yeah that's a pretty sweet setup you got going on. Yeah. You got the uh, rod holders in there? On yeah, we got a few. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. We'd definitely like to get a few more in there just to have them interchangeable. It's it's nice when you can have the setup of, you know, it's... Like your pike rod. Yeah, it's just rod. grab one. Yeah. You know, we usually take quite a few out with us. That way we have that selection. But, you know, building more of the trolling um, inventory is more of what we need to do next right on. In, in time to come. Perfect. Well, I think it's time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I got to put home to London. Um, good luck to all the goose hunters going out tomorrow. Absolutely. This week, it's still early season, so in a lot of places, it's uh, still the plus five. Um, so you can get up to ten birds per person, which is filthy. That's uh, a good time. Yeah, I really am betting to get out this week. Oh, yeah. Hopefully this weekend we can find something and smash mm-hmm. some geese and... Uh, Yeah, like I said, good luck to everyone, and uh, we'll check in before you leave to Moose Camp. As always, thanks for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to check out our friends at Kickaboo Spices. Type in OOP for 10% off, and you can put that shit on everything. (laughs) Frank's Red Hot. (laughs) Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Ooh, I do want to add. Just kidding. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, you guys thought we were done there. So... I want to say thanks to everyone who's been writing reviews. We got a lot of reviews on iTunes right now and mm-hmm. Podbean. Um, and if you guys just tuned in and, you know, maybe you're a little older listener, you haven't done it yet, um, we'd really appreciate if you kept those reviews going because it helps us push up on the playlist where we are and kind of helps remind us that, um, you know, people are actually listening to it and they appreciate it. So 
like we've always said, it all comes out of our pockets, and we're just kind of doing this for fun and hopefully help a few people out. So, anyways, yeah, if you guys want to keep writing reviews, uh, we love the Instagram comments and the DMs and the Facebook messages and just writing in and all the reviews and everything. So, thanks, guys, and uh, hopefully you keep that up. It means a lot to us, so just wanted to say that. Ciao. Now it's bye. <laughs>